2: We're back, and of course, I have a very special guest that you're not going to want to miss. Um, I'm joined by Frank Shirley. He's the principal at Frank Shirley Architects in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and the author of New Rooms for Old Houses Beautiful Additions for the Traditional Home. Oh, and that's kind of right up my alley. Well, I'm going to say it's closer to the afternoon, so good morning, afternoon, whatever. Uh, I'm so glad you're on the show because, let's face it, uh, renovations is a big part of everything that we do, especially if you're not buying a new house, Uh, and most of the homes are resales. So you are an architect, and you specialize in uh, single-family, higher-end homes,
3: is that correct? Yeah, that's right, Dottie. Yeah. Yep. And... I mean...
2: Let me just ask you, how did you get into architect? Did you always love it? Or was it something that you always wanted to do? Yeah, just curious. Yeah, I'm
3: I'm a bit of a classic story there. Um, as, a, as a kid, while my cousins were out playing uh, baseball, I was building uh, houses with uh, building blocks. And okay. so I was an early track to become an architect, never really saw myself doing anything else. And 30-some years later, here I am still doing it. So, yeah, it's... I, well, I
2: love my profession. Yeah, see, that's beautiful. When you are able to find what you are passionate about, um, I always say you're never going to be great if you're not. You can be good, but you'll never be great if you're not passionate about what you're doing. So I feel so
3: the this same is, way.
2: Yeah. So this was like something that you were meant to be. Like you found it. Um, it's so my Let passion. me ask you. Yeah. So what? So what are some of the common things that people really? Um, ask you when they buy houses, let's say if they, well, first of all, you know, there's maybe putting expansions on, maybe adding another wing. Um, But how do you sit and work with a client to begin with? Because sometimes, you know, they want to see it. And sometimes, you know, the flow has to work. There's a whole lot of things. And I've seen people who have not used an architect and uh, tried to figure it out themselves. And I'm not saying I've seen everything, but a lot of them, when it's finished, it just doesn't flow right or it just doesn't feel right, and I can't explain it, but it just doesn't, it just doesn't. So what are the things that you look for and and what are the people that you think really would best use a firm like yours?
3: Right. Um, So uh, talking in particular about older houses, which I personally kind of define as any house that's older than... um, 1940, uh, the World War II uh, really changed uh, the path to uh, architecture and construction. Um, So those people who own older homes, generally speaking from the 19th century, uh, when we get called to work on them, it's because the house, uh, its layout wasn't really designed for our lifestyle of the 21st century, understandable, it's designed for 19th century lifestyles. So it's very common that uh, in these houses, homeowners are—they don't like the kitchen, they don't like the bathrooms, they don't like the primary suite, and there's certainly never enough storage. All of which are fundamental to our enjoyment of a home today. So I will come in and walk through the house with the uh, with the homeowner and listen to the aspects of the, uh, their version of what the aspects of the house they like, and more important, of course, what they don't like. Talk. I'll talk to them a little bit about the viability of making the changes to the things they don't like and um, best approaches. And after that, uh, you move into actual design work where you are the architect is drawing and sketching different ways to take a beautiful 19th century house and make it function in the 21st century without under, without undoing the charm that the person bought the house for in their, uh, originally.
2: And that's not so easy. I mean, that's just like, you know, not an easy thing to do. Uh, uh, no. Yeah. You know, that's why I always say to people, if you're going to do that and you're buying an you know, old house and you, then you need to get an architecture, an architect to do it because uh, that's uh, an art. And even somebody, and, and probably someone like you with the experience that you have in really specializing in that.
3: Yeah. Um, I, in my 30-year career, uh, I can say with confidence, um, renovations and additions to old homes are substantially more difficult than when we're asked to design a new home. It's almost uh, a relaxing path to design a new home because there's it's just not fraught with the complexities of weaving new into old. Um, so it's it's not a... Uh, I mean, I I love people who are passionate about their old house, and I live in an 1890 house, so I I share that passion. Um, But it's a a path of more complexity, and it's really important to hire the right team. It's the architect, and it's also the builder. Um, Both those key team members should have a lot of experience in doing additions or innovations to old houses. Otherwise, it, it could go off the rails.
2: Yeah, you see, that happened to me. Not that I had an older house, I, but I bought a home that was uh, a second home in the Hamptons years ago, and, uh, you know, it was a spec home, so everything was, you know, you know, it was new. So, but it was so. Years later, I decided to kind of redo this whole house, and I used an architect that really um, I knew from my primary residence. And, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't really think about, well, gee, he might not have experience out in this area that i am built that, and really it ended up okay, but really he didn't know the zoning. He didn't know mm-hmm. anything. Okay. Um, he didn't, I had to go to the town. I mean, cause, and it just, um, really wasn't familiar. He was a great architect where I wouldn't have used him in an area that he was specializing in, which was not where yeah. I was. And he, yeah. you know, and, and, and so I, I did, and that's something I never thought about. So, you know, obviously having happened to me and my home taking uh four years to uh, do the work, uh, I, I've learned a big lesson. So I, I share that with everyone that, you know, you really need to know what you kind of think you want to do. And then you have to find an architect that really is familiar with that because that's not easy. And maybe somebody that does. You know, and when people talk about renovations, they're not necessarily talking about taking an old house and and adding wings or adding a uh, you know a, a a piece to it or me you know. And I know a lot of times older homes have no closet. I wonder how many clothes do people have back when? Because usually there's never enough
4: closets. <laughs> okay,
2: yeah. So uh, that's really important. So what what are kind of things that you think people should know? Um, before they entertain an old house? And then how would they go about deciding if somebody, what questions would they ask you? And I'm going to leave everyone your, uh, and and, and what questions do they issue? And you just wrote a, you have a book out that is um, new homes, new rooms for old houses and beautiful additions. So what is that, you know, because that book you can get at Barnes and Noble, correct?
3: Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's available in all bookstores. Yeah, in Amazon stores. of course,
2: and the name again is New Rooms for Old Houses, Old Houses. New rooms for old houses. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is that basically about, so that people can know and they can go out and buy it also?
3: Sure. Um, so that book came about, and it kind of speaks to a little bit of your own experience, Dottie, that you just mentioned. Um, I, uh, where I live in Cambridge, which in Massachusetts right next to Boston, I served on the historical commission there for uh, 11 or 12 years, and almost always homeowners that would bring renovations, additions before the historical commission, because our house was in the historic district and therefore also older than 50 years, um, almost always those homeowners had the best of intentions for the houses, almost always. But less often were those intentions well executed. And that's what inspired the book, is to write to homeowners uh, um, basically a a manual, if you will, guidelines um, of how I go about approaching designing renovations, additions to old houses so that all of these good intentions end up being also well executed. That was my inspiration. And it speaks a little bit, again, to your experience on the Hamptons. Um, So hopefully the book does that for people who are just starting to think about, all right, well, what do I need to do to do things well um, for this house that has to be, house of mine that has to be renovated? Um, I would say also you brought up something about zoning, Dottie, and and that you had to deal with it locally that is a somewhat unique Condition for old houses. Uh, if you own a 19th century house or older, your house was built before there was any zoning. Zoning didn't even come into effect until uh, the 1920s. I think New York is actually uh, was one of the earliest jurisdictions to introduce zoning ordinances. So these houses all got built before zoning existed, and then zoning got written after these houses were built. And oddly enough, and I can speak to this because I've seen it so many times, an old house doesn't conform to the zoning ordinance that was written long after it was built, which is kind of crazy and a little frustrating for me as an architect. But you have to know the implications of that and how to navigate that process accordingly. Um, Another thing for a homeowner of an old house to be aware of as they embark upon changing their house.
2: Now, if you have an historical house, um, isn't there a limit to what you can even do?
3: So many towns um, in the Northeast have historical commissions. Those historical commissions have very different uh, levels of review for changes to an old house. Um, Again, I'm in the Boston area. As you can imagine, lots of very old houses. Some of the oldest houses in America are here. And a lot of these houses are under the jurisdiction of a local historical commission. They can have minimal review of those changes you want to make, and they can even, in other cases, they can have a say, even down to the paint color of the exterior of the house. No historical commission has any jurisdiction to the interior changes of a house. This is only exterior changes okay. that can be seen um, from a public way. That's common across all jurisdictions that I've worked in throughout the Northeast.
2: So, so what do you, what do you, no, listen, uh, everyone having an old home and restoring it to its time is an art and is really a a lot of people. That's really what they want. So what do you, what do you feel um, when you're, Considering buying an older home and you want to have, you know, but you look at it and you say, well, you know, this is charming and it could be really with a little work, really restored back to the way it was. But, you know, I don't have enough closet space. I need a little bit more room here. What should people look at in making that first decision to buy an older home
3: mm. or not? Yeah, that, that's a great question, Dottie. Um, so actually, I get called not. N- not on frequently to tour house uh, with a with a home, with someone that is a prospective home buyer to talk to them as we about the viability of hey I need more of this this isn't big enough how can I add on to this house and that could be a very daunting task for a prospective home buyer who obviously has their own profession to think about and is not thinking about the three-dimensional implications of the changes they want to make. Um, I actually, some of the realtors in the greater Boston area, um, quite, I know quite well, and they've had me walk through houses with some of their prospective clients to also talk about those kind of changes. It I've never never worked on a house in which we couldn't achieve you know, m- most primary objectives of a new homeowner. Um but some homes can be trickier than others, and as you can probably imagine, the trickier projects tend to be more expensive just because of the complexity of uh, trying to evolve a 19th or even 18th century home into the 20th, 21st century. I find it a lot of fun and very re- rewarding, and I think with very few exceptions, the clients we've had over the years have loved the experience as well. And when you come out of that experience and you have this old house that is now thriving in the 21st century, it's a special experience. It's a special house. It's a house that people don't want to sell. Um, I've been in the business for 30 years. I kind of keep track of most of my projects like they're my kids, and very few of our houses have been sold since we renovated them. And I think it's just because the passion is so deep for the the beauty, of the house, the proportions, the craft, the materials, and also that the house is working for them today in the 21st century, people don't part with their houses because of that.
2: Yeah, they're 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 trying to. I don't know. It's been going on a long time, so I don't know when it's going to really be completed. But I know out here they're trying to build. You know, the the, the Hamptons are. You know, goes back to the 1800s. So um, mm-hmm. they're trying to build this whole development. And replicate what was not only the home, the type of home, but the plants and the and 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 everything that was there then, and so it's a very big specialty. And my point is that, you know it's somebody if you if you're considering doing it, it's really i think a big undertaking and and you need to have someone who has that kind of experience it doesn't mean that another architect's not good but it just means that i don't i don't think every architect has the same experience of things just like my architect was great um and uh, he did a lot of great work in where my primary residence was but when it came out here he really didn't get it and he yeah. you know, didn't know what you needed to do or how you got things done or and of course in, in a lot of places and again I can't speak for the entire United States but you really have to go through zoning and make sure that yep. those additions are okay like you said inside is one thing but what are what are some of the things that you find most frequently that you would do in uh, things that you would do in older homes to, to keep them sharp and, and But have the charm of an older home, but give them what people need today to live in a home.
3: Sure. Um, well, it may seem obvious, but the most common things we are asked to do are kitchens, by far and away kitchens. And okay. kitchens are, they are no longer just a place in which to prepare a meal. They are a place to entertain. Absolutely. They are a place to relax. They're a place to watch football games. Um, so they, they're, they're still evolving. And over my career of uh, 30 years, it continued to evolve into a really special room. So that is a common, common request. Um, primary suites are another common request. The, the concept of a suite did not exist in the 18th, 19th century or even, even into the first quarter of the 20th century. So the the bedroom, of course, but it's more about the primary bathroom and the primary closet, which is going to be you know a walk-in closet or walk-in closets, and all the amenities that people seek in bathrooms for you know their their home in which they are living. So those are very common rooms. We're also doing a lot of uh, different. people call them different things, but great rooms or family rooms. So these are large rooms but they're not the living room that you walk into and has all that formal presentation they tend to be rooms that are off to the side or off to the back off the kitchen area so that they have a privacy to them but they are also dynamic spaces where two people or 15 people can gather and enjoy conversation and entertainment
2: yeah i you know in my experience i think that those rooms really have become so important because well if you look at a formal dining room which probably old houses have
5: mm-hmm.
2: they're formal and people kind of today sometimes want to entertain or just hang out and so the kitchen right. or that great room is kind of the place where people like it could be one or two people or five or ten would just kind of be informal and not so formal I mean I think Mm -hmm. that's really key today Um, I agree we're coming up with a break I just would love you know I could talk to you for another two hours but I'd love you to stay on the break and tell us how we can get your book and your website and so and I will also post all the information on my site dottieherman.com, and on the radio station site Um, we'll be right back with Frank Shirley after a quick break
6: On my pillow's twenty-year anniversary with over eighty million my pillows sold, Mike Lindell and the my employees want to thank each and every one of you by giving you the lowest price in history on their my pillows, queen-size my pillows, regular prices sixty-nine ninety-eight now only 19.98 and just $10 more for king size go to mypillow.com click on the radio podcast square to get Mike's amazing offer on the queen size my pillow for only 19.98 or call 800-651-0798 use the promo code P. in addition to the special anniversary offer on the my pillows you will also receive deep discounts on all my pillow products such as bed sheets mattress toppers pet beds mattresses my slippers and so much more go to mypillow.com or call 800-651-0798 use the promo code joe p to take advantage of mike's special offer on his my pillow
0: i'm ference toth host of the your personal bank show i use common sense as an entrepreneur financial literacy educator and speaker to understand how current events affect our money economy and our freedom Grow your money safely, reduce taxes, increase returns, and create positive arbitrage with your personal bank. Tune in to the Your Personal Bank Show Saturdays at 4 p.m. or contact parents at yourpersonalbank.com. The Your Personal Bank Show Saturdays at 4 p.m.
7: This is Dennis Prager. Now you can listen to my show when it's convenient for you and without censorship from big tech, become a member of the ultimate online community for all things Prager. It's PragerTopia Unlimited. Listen to the show on demand when it's easiest for you. This includes every radio show, every segment and every guest over the last 10 years and it's commercial free. You can even share your favorite segments with your friends. Plus, you'll get the same information email from Alan Estrin that I receive every night about the most important issues to read about. Pragertopia Unlimited members can also listen to every program, lecture, and course that is in the Prager store. Thousands of hours. You can even listen to all my Torah teachings for free. Share my passion for free speech. Join today and save 25% off the first year and get a free Pragertopia coffee mug. It's all things Prager, Prager Pragertopia Unlimited. Go to pragertopia.com or click the banner at DennisPrager.com. This is Mike Gallagher. Sign up
8: today for an unforgettable experience in Israel this October. Dennis Prager and I are traveling to the Holy Land on the Stand With Israel Tour with our trusted partner, Inspiration Cruises and Tours. This is a trip of a lifetime. You don't want to miss it. Register today before it's too late. Visit StandWithIsraelTour.com, StandWithIsraelTour.com, or call 855-565-5519, 565 5519 And together, let's Stand With Israel.
1: Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of ION on Real Estate, the Vice Chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman.
2: We're back with Frank Shirley uh, from Shirley Architects, who wrote a wonderful book, "New Rooms for Old Houses." Um, You know, we could talk for hours, Frank, but I just, before you leave, I want to get your website, but I have somebody, uh, one of our listeners who just sent a question to you, or it sounds like maybe two questions. And the question is, uh, what is the most popular request you get for adding a room? Would it be a sunroom, expanding a bathroom, adding a bedroom or study? And the next question is, what did builders in the 18th century get right compared to builders today?
3: Oh, those are such good questions. Well, the first one's pretty, pretty easy for me to say. Um, without question, I am asked to do new kitchens more than any other room um, because it's just the the kitchen of the 19th, 18th, 17th century is not. It, it's it's the same room in name only. It's a completely different experience from how it was used 100, 200 years ago to how it's used today. So, that's the very first thing. Um, Sunrooms, sometimes, sure. You know, the primary suites, as I mentioned. Um, in terms of what builders got right 100, 200 years ago that they're not getting right today, well, Dottie, first of all, can we have another hour? But um, <laughs> if I can compress that into 30 seconds, I will say there was a high appreciation for proportion and craft that is lost today. So there are many, many homes that are extant today, built 100, 200 years ago, that were not – that an architect wasn't involved in. But the trades of that era had a refined understanding of proportion, architectural proportion, and they had also, through generations, handed down how to craft, how to build well. And I I believe those two features, more than any other, are what attract people to these houses. And capturing that in an addition, renovation, is essential. That those features do not exist on new developer homes. It's just developer homes today are flip houses, no matter how big they are. They could be 10,000 square feet. Um, And all of those houses are... They're kind of designed to go 20, 25 years. A house from the 200 years ago, 100 years ago, were designed to go forward indefinitely, and that's why they're still here.
2: And they're sturdy. I mean, they're really built. Like, they don't build them like that anymore. Listen, you've no. been wonderful, and I hope that you'll come on again. But... Um can you just leave everybody how to reach you or the website? They, I mean, obviously you can get the book, um, and I'll post everything on my site and on the radio site. But also, is there a, a website people can reach get get to sure. see some of your stuff? Yeah.
3: Sure. I, I really want to say before uh, before I do that, Dottie, it's been great talking to you. I really appreciate you having me on, and I love your passion for houses. So thank you for that. Uh, very uh, much.
2: Thank you. Thank you. You've been great. I-
3: I think our website is probably the best introduction to our firm and our design philosophy, and the website is frankshirleyarchitects.com. That's all one word. We have social media as well, Instagram and Facebook, also Frank Shirley Architects. And honestly, if someone is trying to figure out what they want to do with an old house or you know, figure out more about how our office works, just call us. Um, the number's on the website, on our social media. We can be found pretty pretty readily.
2: Oh, thank you so much. And listen, you'll have to come back again, but enjoy your, uh, well, it's the last week of the summer, basically. So, oh, don't I mean, tell me that. This, well, no, I don't like to hear it either, but right? I guess it goes back to school days because it's really not the end of the summer. But I think everyone mentally thinks, oh, well, school starts again, so it's the end of the summer. But enjoy your Labor Day weekend. And you've been great. Thank you so thank much you, for Daddy. being on the show. Okay, and have a great weekend.
3: You it as well. It was
2: wasn't it? Yeah. And really, I'm just telling you, that is really the best advice anybody can have. If you're thinking of buying an older home that needs renovation, you should call somebody or maybe even have them see it first so that you get an idea of how much it's going to cost and how long and, you know, what it really entails. And with that, I have someone who's been on our show many a day for a lot of years because he's great. Um, And of course, Peter Conte from Honor Conte Perino insurance agency. And like insurance, how much is enough? What should you have? What should you not have? How much is too much? Uh, it gets tricky. Uh, let me ask you. So Peter.
4: Hey, good you, morning, Dottie.
2: Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad to have you on the show again. I mean, you're my guru. I just asked my, uh, uh, I just asked, uh, my, uh, somebody who works with me to get in touch with you because I did something that's a no, no. And I don't advise anybody to do this, but I did. Um, so I'm telling you a mistake. I was busy, and I just asked the people that worked with me, I said, Do me a favor, just make sure I get the insurance for this property. And they did it. You know, they got me, and I had to put everything together, package everything together. And um, they never really, I mean, they didn't really. I mean, I don't know, it could be right. Um, and I said, Well, you know, wait a second, I've been thinking about this, and I don't know that we really have enough insurance on my home and a bit it burns down. And the weather has been kind of brutal, but it's, it's, it's been a lot of rain and some of it heavy and some trees came down. And so I said, would you send it to Frank? <laughs> I said, I mean, it was, would you send it to Peter? Um, I said, because I just want to make sure I have enough. I don't want to over insure things. So what are the, some of the rules of thumbs? Because I think when people get insurance and, over the years, they might do d- different things and, and prove their homes and things of that nature. And I'm not sure if they go back and look at their insurance, if it covers... Because I, that's what I did. I kind of bought a house that was brand new. And then, you know, 20 years later, I kind of said, well, you know, I think I should change a lot of things. And so I almost tore yep. my house down. So what What are the things that people should know? Because I don't think... A lot, I, I don't know that a lot of people, when they do renovations really go look at their insurance and see if it's going to cover that.
4: Yeah. So first thing, first things first, Dottie, right now, the insurance market is wild with all the inflation we've seen over the past few years. Definitely, I, every, I encourage everyone to go and make sure, like, check your insurance policy. You're probably not covered for enough anymore. The price, the, the, the per square foot cost just in the last two years, when we, when we, we used to, have our base or our minimum at $150? We moved it up to $300 for people we insure now, and you know it, it. Everyone's upset about it, and everyone's upset about the price of their insurance until it's time for the claim. And you know our numbers are our numbers have proved themselves at this point, but it's prices have gone sky high. So let's make sure, or everyone just take out your policy and make sure that you call your broker, call a broker, call, call me. Let's make sure there's enough coverage. So with that, Dottie, I mean, how much is enough right now? Our minimum go-to for a standard New York city condo co-op is $300 per square foot. It's, uh, it's what a, it's a lot of money. Out, too. And
2: what, yeah. But, but, and, and if you're living outside the city, so you have a residential home, like a single family.
4: So, Yeah, so outside the city, you do have some relief because um, part of that rebuilding cost is the cost of contractors and the cost of goods. Um, So that just, just being in Manhattan or Brooklyn or anything like that increases those costs. When you go outside of the city, you can start seeing a rebuilding cost somewhere around the $200 per square foot range. And remember, we're preparing for a total loss. That's what we'll need to build ground up for. You know, after a fire comes in, after a storm destroys your home, we have to demolish the home. We have to take away the uh, the rubble, or uh, and then we can finally start construction again. So that all goes into the equation when we are insuring a home.
2: Yeah, and so I want to just stress this to everyone listening again, because homes have really appreciated tremendously, and. If you had taken an insurance policy out a while ago, you might very well, and the good news is your property probably went up in value, but the bad news is, God forbid something happens, you might not have enough insurance. So the first thing everybody should really do, and I don't think we do it, I mean, I can say even myself, I just, I, I don't know what just came to me that I said, you know, oh, I know, I had a, uh, a guy that, uh upstairs for me that left his bathtub on and he kind of wiped out one of my rooms. but also mm-hmm. it happened to me years ago. And I think I was in my twenties and, um, I told my secretary just get me insurance on my engagement ring. That's, uh, you know, I had a yellow, uh, a, 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 a yellow diamond and it was pretty valuable. And so one day I just looked at my hand and my ring was on my finger, but the stone was gone. And I'll never forget. It was oh. a rainy day, and I'm looking, and I'm just looking. I'm trying to track down my steps, and I just for hours I couldn't. I just couldn't find it. So I said to my yeah. secretary, "Then, oh, get my policy, report it." Now I did. <laughs> this was my mistake. I left it to a secretary who was very smart. I mean, she did everything for me, but so I realized that she got a policy. Now we're going back. So twenty five thousand was a lot of, but. Her policies that she got me was 25000 on all of my jewelry. So to this day, and I swear to you, I have a ring that has no stone in it, okay? Because oh. it wasn't the right insurance. So when we come sure. back, I'd like you to just talk about like what people should do because prices went up, and what about furniture and things of that nature? Uh, I, I really think uh, probably a lot of us are underinsured and just don't even realize it and the good news is your home went up more than likely Uh, so we're gonna Peter's gonna we're gonna talk about he's gonna talk about that and some of the things that you need to look at and then make a call if you think they're not right Um, it's really important because like you said you don't want to pay it but you don't want to be one of those people God forbid uh, that you have some flood or something and you don't have insurance for it or you don't have and that happens I've seen that happen to quite a few people. We'll be right back, and you won't want to miss hearing from Peter Conte.
9: Call Christian-owned Total Financial Freedom now at 800-533-6605. That's 800-533-6605. 800-533-6605. Hi, it's Arthur Idala.
5: We know summer isn't over yet, and Bay Ridge Honda is turning up the heat by saving you fifteen hundred dollars. You heard that right. Fifteen hundred dollars when you turn in your trade or lease and purchase your next car with them. They have been your family-owned and operated dealer for over sixty years, serving the five boroughs. Browse from over two hundred new Honda vehicles and over one hundred certified pre-owned vehicles backed by the Honda True program at their 2022 President's Award-winning dealership. Right now, get 0%. APR financing and zero down payment on select new 2023 Honda models all month long. Plus, receive $1,500 when you turn in your trade or lease when you purchase your new car with Bayridge Honda. Even if you don't buy a car from Bayridge Honda, they will buy your car from you. So visit them at 4th Avenue and 88th Street in Bayridge, Brooklyn, or online at BayridgeHonda.com. That's BayridgeHonda.com. These deals are available to qualified buyers. Additional fees may apply. See dealer for details. Sale ends August 30th, 2023.
8: Hi, Kevin McCullough. I've been talking about the court reporting program at Plaza College for some time. But Plaza College has been around since 1916, and not only do they have the School of Court Reporting, but they have four other schools of study, including their new School of Nursing. The accelerated Bachelor of Science in Nursing program can be completed in just 16 months. And I'd like to offer congratulations to the first graduating cohort of nursing students The first cohort began with 20 students and 18 successfully completed. What an accomplishment. Plaza also has a dental hygiene program with a 20-chair community clinic. Students work on live patients under the supervision of a dentist. It's incredible. For additional information regarding the programs I mentioned or Plaza's other areas of study, like their School of Business or Paralegal Studies or School of Allied Health, just visit their website at plazacollege.edu. That's P-L-A-Z-A college dot E-D-U. AM 970, the answer.
0: AM
1: 970, the answer. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman.
2: We're back with Peter Conte, the best, uh, best expert on insurance I know, and I telling everyone really to take a look at your insurance policies. Home prices have gone off the roof in the last couple of years. So you want to make sure. So, Peter, tell me what should people look I mean, obviously you need insurance when you, have an, you buy a new home. But I think there's so many people that have homes that went up a lot and have not checked their insurance policy. What are things that people should look at?
4: Yeah, check your dwelling coverage, check your contents coverage, check your loss of use. Make sure all of those are in order um, make sure or call a broker and get a broker's opinion on it to see if it's enough money to rebuild your home if you think it's enough money for to buy back everything you own and the test I or what I tell my insurance is when you your content coverage is everything you will move into a new apartment or a new home or everything that will be in the moving truck so just take a quick valuation of that and what it would cost to buy all that stuff back. And then loss of use, how long do you want to be able to live outside of your home if there is an accident? There are some policies that give you an unlimited amount of time where the carrier will pay for your hotel stay for however long it takes to rebuild your home. There are some carriers that only give you a certain amount of time, like a month or two months. And there are some carriers that give you a dollar amount um, so that whether it's $50,000 or 100000 that you can use that limit how you see fit and for however long that allows you to live outside of your home. Uh, you know, so those are the three main coverages that do affect people individually.
2: You know, Peter, I remember going back, this was a long time ago, but I remember driving. I didn't have a home in the Hamptons then, but I would be driving out to because I always would frequent it. Uh, and there was, I don't know what hurricane it was, but it, the ocean, which is on one side, and the sound is on one side. They came together, and they no. they wiped out all the, the the roads. in I think it was in West Hampton around their quag, and um, there were houses technically floating to sea. Okay, and you saw homes floating. And what happened is these homeowners not only didn't have place, they didn't have access to it, and they were still paying taxes, okay? It was a whole controversy on it. They still, So, um, and I know that insurance is not so easy to get today. I mean, uh, you know, so, and, 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 and what about people with, you know, people think, oh, if I don't live on the ocean, but I think that they count water, like, you know, like, you know, you don't have to really live on the ocean or the water, uh, It's, but you could be like close enough where they say it's a flood zone. Uh, What are things that, you know, so what is, you know, and so I'm really, you know, again, I think Mm -hmm. everyone should use you when they buy a home, a new home. But I think there's so many people that are underinsured and we've been having crazy kind of weather and you just never know. And I, I, you know, I experienced what we had that last hurricane that wiped out a lot of Long Island where people couldn't have access. What kind of things? So. When they call you should what they should give you how should they reach you give us that information, and then what should they be telling you or should they send you a copy of their policy and how do they reach you because I really think everyone whether you use Peter or somebody else but I would recommend him uh should really take a relook at their policies <laughs> and the good yeah. news is things have gone up a lot.
4: <laughs> if- if you want to get in touch with me, you can always call me at 212-777-7113 and I have a team of, uh, I have a team of people who you can ask for my name and they'll be happy to transfer you to me, um, but you'll definitely be helped by anyone in the office if you do call that number. Now, when it comes to, and really quickly, Dottie, I just want to get a little technical about this because two important articles came out yesterday. Um, one article was saying that the reinsurance market was going. We're in a hard insurance market right now. We can't what does find that mean? the same coverage. So, finding people coverage is a lot harder now than it was two years ago. So, if you're by the ocean, we're going to have a hard time finding you coverage. We will find you coverage, it's just going to be harder. You're not going to get a wider selection of policies or carriers to try and insure you you're going to have one or two carriers and it's going to be a much more expensive policy so it's getting to be a broker i mean we always have to work hard don't get me wrong but we're going to have to work a little bit harder but here's here's the importance of the two articles the reinsurance carriers the people who insure the insurance companies are expected to stay in a hard market until 2024. that means there's going to be less money for insurance carriers to take on risk by um, by spending or by allowing us to write policies for them. So it's going to stay with that limited capacity for some carriers. And then the second article was, this one blew my mind. Insurance companies, because of the crazy weather like you mentioned, they're operating at a uh, combined ratio over 100%. Which means that that? for every dollar they, for every dollar they take in, they're losing money. So right now the combined ratio is 109%. So that means for every dollar that they are paid in premium, they are losing nine cents on. So they're, they're working in order to correct their underwriting, which means tighter regulation and tighter rules. And they're also filing the, filing within the state government because the state governments run the, run the premium or run the rates that insurance carriers can charge to um, insurance, So by tightening up their underwriting and increasing their rate, they will hopefully come out of this, combined ra- the, this high combined ratio of 109% and get back to an, a profit of under 100% or at least closer to 100%. And then that will open up capacity again. And then we can start writing people by the coast a lot easier than we are right now. So there's a lot of changes going on.
2: I mean, let's face it. If you say by the coast, a lot of states are by the coast. A lot of people live. I mean, uh, you know, I lived on Long Island, so everything is by the coast pretty much. Uh, I, you know, live in the city now. So the city, you know, the Hamptons, it's all. And it doesn't mean I'm living on the, the water. By the
4: water yeah but
2: but, but this' I mean I'm on the water, and a lot of people don't realize you don't have to be on the water I can, you know it's like i don't know how many miles they consider water flooding zones or, mm-hmm. but I you know um you know and I watched people just lose a whole lot in the last big disaster we had, and so I, I just think that that people should just look at what they have and should. Yeah. And again, you look at areas too, right? I mean, you look at, gee, like you said, like maybe you would need more because the cost of labor would be more in certain cities than others. Uh, mm-hmm. But so do you find that definitely. people do that? Do you do you find a lot of people really don't look at their coverage?
4: So a lot of people, are in, especially in Manhattan, are just forced to have coverage by the building they're in. And a lot of other people are just forced by their mortgage uh, holder to get coverage as well. So a lot of people have no idea whether their house can be rebuilt or not, or whether they're covered for the right perils or the right risks. For example, I don't know, I don't know if people know this, but there's a separate hurricane deductible on your policy. And it's not $1,000, it's not 2500 it's not $500, it's a percentage of how much insurance coverage you have. It could be up to 5% or 10% in some cases. So if a hurricane comes and you don't have, let's say $50,000 to spend to rebuild your home, then the insurance isn't going to necessarily rebuild your home because you have to pay the first 50000 or the first 5% of the rebuilding cost on your home. So... It gets, it's, it's, it, look at your policies, look at your deductibles. We are getting into hurricane season. Look at your exactly. hurricane deductibles and let's make sure you have enough coverage. Please call me.
2: <laughs> yes. And, you know, even with hurricanes, if I recall correctly, the last hurricane, and I think though that, or well, maybe it wasn't the last one, but it was one of them. And Long Island really got hit because I remember, you know, sending care packages to people and generators <laughs> and things of that nature. But Uh, A lot of people really didn't, you know, have have the right insurance, and so um, because they didn't consider themselves. And then there was, uh, I know people had issues with whether it was like, oh, gee, your damage is not from the hurricane; your damage is from the wind i mean i remember mm-hmm. that specifically whereas people were trying to fight with their insurance companies was like well that's not hurricane damage that's wind damage is that a different insurance
4: Yeah. so and that's something that we are currently um going to bring to the new york state government there are two types of there there's a couple different types of deductibles there's a wind storm deductible a hurricane deductible and an all other perils deductible and right now we're trying to lobby the New York government in order to make sure that the definition of hurricane deductible and windstorm deductible becomes the same, or just that there's commonality among all the carriers. So, and, and that was Hurricane that was Hurricane Sandy, that that was the issue yes. on. Um, yes. That was, that's still something, there are still claims being settled for Hurricane Sandy, just that deductible issue was tremendous and it caused a lot of backlog and the FEMA response, wasn't as great as we thought it would be and there was that was that was one of the first signs the New York market needed some some more intensive insurance care
2: Uh, listen I could talk to you for another hour this is so valuable Um, I'll post all Peters information on the website and no matter what you do please promise me you take a look at your insurance policy and make sure it's up to date I know people don't think it can happen, but if it does happen, you want to make sure that you're covered. Peter, thank you. You have to come on again and have a great Labor Day weekend. Uh,
4: You do the same, Dottie. Thank you very much. Thank you.
2: And uh, we'll be back next week. Enjoy. It's not the end of summer, but enjoy this whole Labor Day week. It's a big thing. Okay? And hopefully next week we'll maybe do it from the Hampton Classroom. Be back next week.
0: The preceding hour of programming paid for by DTHY Realty Incorporated.